0: It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show can always be found on our Facebook page. Like us, follow us, and reach out to us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app like Podcast One or Spotify and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. We begin this morning with Tina Blackwell. Tina is with Beckett Springs. She's here in the studio with us. It's our pleasure to welcome Tina Blackwell. To Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Tina. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Excellent. So Beckett Springs, tell us about Beckett Springs, if you will.
1: Beckett Springs is a behavioral health and addictions hospital. Um, we have two locations, one in Westchester, Ohio, and one located in Centerville. And we are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We provide services to all communities and We help people with substance abuse and mental health issues.
0: Okay, so let's touch on substance abuse. Now, a few years back, we were seeing high numbers of heroin overdoses. Is that still something that we're seeing today
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of people who come in struggling with uh, all sorts of addictions, actually, but uh, heroin is, is one of the big ones uh, that they come in. They can come in to Beckett Springs, and we have um, detox that we do, um, and they can continue with therapy and, at, while they are, are in that process of coming clean from that, and we get them where they need to be.
0: Okay, and so how receptive are people to some of your clients, people when they come in and they have an addiction, how receptive are they to? Are they most of the time? Are they ready for help? That's or a tricky they, question. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's good. a
1: tricky question. That's
0: what I do. Tricky questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a tricky question because you know, in the in the heat of addiction, when people have kind of hit their rock bottom, they come. They may come in and they're ready. But then as they start going through the process and and they start feeling things, thinking things um – experiencing things that are uncomfortable then it can cause them to have anxiety or increased fear and then they kind of you know, some of them will kind of back off and like no 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 no, this is this is fine I'm ready to go you know I'm, I'm finished with this um, others are ready to you know they're ready to continue on with the work so sometimes we have to kind of work with them through the process when they kind of want to back off a little bit and and work them through and try to keep them on the path that they had already identified for themselves. So that that can be tricky.
0: Okay, are you working with adults, children, both, or what does that look like? Teenagers, I, I should say.
1: I work with um, both adults and children. Um, I started with Beckett Springs initially, uh, primarily with children, and um, now I'm working with adults, but um, I, I also work with the, with the kids as well. Teenagers, ages 14 to 18 for me.
0: Yes. Okay, how difficult is that to... You know, adults face a lot of things, but for someone so young, a teenager or a child that comes in with an addiction, that has to be, that has to be difficult, I would imagine.
1: It can be, I think it's probably more stressful for the parents uh, who who really want their kids to come in and do something different. Uh, Much like adults, kids have to be ready. You know, they have to be ready. Uh, The biggest issue for kids, though, is really smoking marijuana. Um, that's the, the, the largest issue that I find for them. But um, – and, and they don't have a, a different they, – they don't have the same problems with marijuana as parents do. So uh, they just kind of view it as a natural thing. So their motivation for for stopping that can be low.
0: Okay. And so, you know, they always say marijuana is the gateway drug. How <laughs> yes. true is that? Mm-hmm. Or what do you see working in this profession?
1: Um, I I think – it depends on the child, actually. Um, I think it can depend on the child. I've, I've seen some kids who uh, they they just want to stick with the marijuana. We talk about harm reduction. We talk about um, we talk about a plan where they stop for a period of time, and, and then they you know if they want to recontinue, they start up again. Um, I don't know that I have seen anyone that goes to the next step, but I've seen some who have experimented with all those bigger, harder drugs, and then they step back to marijuana. I have seen that.
0: Wow. That's so scary. Having yes. teenagers of my own, that's that's really scary.
1: Acid has made a big comeback amongst the teens.
0: Acid, yes. really? Yes,
1: hallucinogens has made a huge comeback amongst teenagers, yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: So if you're a parent and you're listening to this and, you know, you don't know about acid and you don't up to date on marijuana, what do you, as a parent, what do you say to parents? What advice would you give to parents?
1: Stick close to your kids as much as you can. (laughs) Stick close to your kids, educate them, um, talk them through, you know, what, what are their friends doing? What are they doing? What are they interested in? Um, how are they managing their own stress a lot of a lot of the kids that I've worked with they identify that you know some of the medications that we give them some of the psych meds that we give them or that they've been given over time uh, they don't like the way that that makes them feel and for them in their mind in the kids mind the the worst thing that's going to happen from smoking is I'm going to get hungry so um, you know you you really want to as a parent really try to kind of stick close to your kid make sure as a parent that you're in a position healthy enough to be able to have your kid trust you enough to to be able for them to come to you and and just try to stick close to them as as best you can
0: All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. In the studio with me, we're joined by Tina Blackwell. She is with Beckett Springs. She's here this morning to talk about mental health and substance abuse. Let's touch very briefly on the programs. You you touched on it a little bit, but let's talk more about some of the programs you offer for substance abuse at Beckett Springs.
1: So uh, at Beckett, we have um, inpatient hospitalization uh, what, and that would be where our patients who need detox come in for detox, or if they're really struggling with, um, safety issues, things like that, then they would stay in the hospital. Um, they're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, they get several services there. Um, we have music therapy, we have outdoor therapy, we have art therapy, um, they have access to the cafeteria, so they have all of those things. And, and then they have group therapy as well um, while they are inpatient. And then we step them down to our partial hospitalization program, which is an all-day program starting at 8.30 and ending at about 3.30. Um, and they get four to five hours of therapy there Um working very closely with a therapist who's going to help them develop an aftercare plan. And from there, we step them down to intensive outpatient where they are um, coming to Beckett three days a week, a minimum of three days a week uh, for three hours a day. And then we step them down once we feel they're ready to transition to their next lower level of care, which would be someone within the community.
0: So let me ask you this, and I've always thought about this, and I've always found this interesting when we talk about drug abuse and drug use. Some people are able to kick the habit per se, and some people cannot. What is it that makes the difference? What do you know and what do you see? Why are some people able to get clean and some people are not?
1: Well, I really think it kind of depends on the temperament of the person and really their motivation for change. Some people... Um, like I said earlier, they're they're ready, and you know they have the determination. Their temperament is one where they may be very determined um, to to get that thing done, and they're just tired of where they are in that moment. Other people just kind of depends on what their mindset is, which is why at Beckett we off we also offer the behavioral health portion of it because while they are dealing with. Uh, recovery um, from substance abuse, they need to have the skills to be able to work on whatever mental health issues may be triggering them or causing them pain or or, or lending to that whole substance abuse issue. So we offer both of those things uh, to try to ease that.
0: And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show, more information about our guest, Tina Blackwell. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can follow us there. You can listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on air. Now, let's talk about the pandemic and what we found In terms of the mental health battling the pandemic, what have you guys found? What have you seen and what role has um, the pandemic had on mental health?
1: Oh, it's it's played a huge role in mental health. Um, I find families have really struggled with the pandemic a lot, working with kids. Parents are tired. Kids are tired. If there's kids who are already having uh, struggles with behavioral issues, parents are excessively fatigued. Like, they're, they're just really having a hard time with it. So, when I'm working with kids and families, I really work within the, the system. So I'm kind of it's not doing therapy for the parent, but I am somewhat doing therapy for the parent as well, uh, just to try to get them on a more even keel so that they can deal more appropriately with their children. But the pandemic, uh, everybody being kind of locked away has has played a major role in mental health decline.
0: So explain to us what you're seeing. Are we seeing depression, anxiety? What are we seeing in terms of that?
1: Uh, lots more depression, lots of anxiety. Um, I, call, I call them desperate statements. Lots of people who are making comments about, you know, they want to kill themselves, things like that. Passive suicidal ideation. Of course, those things we have to take uh, very seriously. But, you know, it's just really a big expression of, um, of how overwhelmed people are in the moment, how distressed people are in the moment.
0: So let's break this down. Let's talk about anxiety. What does that look like in children or adults even? What are you seeing? What does that look like? Help us to understand what that looks like.
1: Uh, For children, it can look a lot like them shutting down, um, withdrawing, isolating, um, much more fidgety, increased in agitation, quick mood shifts, anxiety being around people, just kind of wanting to stay in the safety of their rooms. A lot of kids wanting to stay within their rooms. Yeah. For adults, it really looks fairly similar. A lot more uh, could be with drinking, substance abuse, that type of thing, to try to help manage the anxiety for an an adult. Risky behaviors, things like that.
0: Okay. What about depression?
1: Depression can look the same. Um, It can look similar. Shutting down, isolating, lack of interest, low motivation, a lot of negative thinking, rumination um, in terms of like their thoughts are just kind of going around and around on a cycle. Hopelessness, a lot of hopelessness, helplessness, yeah, a lot of that with, with depression.
0: Okay, and so how do parents, as parents, and we're talking about young people, how do you, as a parent, what do you do if you notice these symptoms? Or, let me ask you, this, is it hard for parents to even recognize those symptoms, maybe saying that, you know, no, oh, this is a typical teenager or whatnot,
1: I think it can be tricky. Um, And again, it depends on the wellness of the parent. To my to my mind, it depends on the wellness of the parent as well. Um, Some parents, again, because the pandemic has has made it stressful for everyone. um, If a parent is kind of caught up in what they're having to deal with, some parents aren't working. There are financial constraints. They're trying to manage many, many different things at the same time. It can be hard to recognize or to pay attention to. When a kid might be struggling, if that kid's not doing something outlandish, then it can, you know, that kid can kind of get lost in the in the mix of things. Um, So, you know, I think it it really is incumbent upon the parents to make sure that they're trying to, again, make sure that they are as healthy as they can be and then pay attention to if you're noticing behavioral changes in your kid. Notice if your kid's. shifting in moods and notice if there's a, where they once had an interest, they no longer have that same interest, paying attention to some of those things, and then just try to have a conversation with the kid. Or if a, if a child isn't comfortable to talk to that parent, if the parent knows of someone that that kid trusts, then having that child try to talk to that person or, you know, asking that person, hey, why don't you take, why don't you take the baby out for some ice cream, you know, and, and let's see if she'll talk to you or what have you.
0: OK, so when we talk about depression, you know, we think about being sad. And I think the first thing, you know, as a parent or anybody is, OK, let's get them out of, the, out of that. Let's do something fun. But that's maybe just a temporary fix. Yes. It's not fixing the problem.
1: Yeah, I would I would say so. It really is about a mindset. I really try to um, when I'm working with kids, help them to understand that they can shift how they're thinking about things. We can't always help the thoughts that we have. But we absolutely have uh, a say in how we respond to those thoughts. So when I'm working with, with kids or, or adults, when I'm working with anyone, I try to help them understand you have you have some ability to, to shift how you're thinking about things. And um, your perspective of it is, is what can make the difference for you. I have them do an activity in my room where they look around the room and I have them identify one particular color and then I have them close their eyes and I tell them to um, tell me the things that they could find that were in another color. And, of course, they they struggle to do that. And the point of that is to help them understand, like, whatever it is that you're focusing on, whether it's negative or positive – That's what's going to grow bigger. That's the thing that you'll tend to only focus on and primarily see. So if you're only focused on the negative, of course, you're going to feel horrible, of course, because that's what you're choosing to see. Like That's what you're focusing on. Now, some people, it's not just as simple as, you know, change my thoughts or what have you. Some people may be predisposed to um, depression through family genetics and things like that. And that's where medication management does help.
0: Okay. So if you're a parent... Um, or if you know of someone, if you have a child that you, you feel like, um, has anxiety or depression or both, Uh um, does a child or a person in that situation, do they always need professional help?
1: I wouldn't say always, um, Sometimes it could just be that if 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 they feel connected to their family, then, you know, that's something that can help trying to figure out what's going on. If it's something that's going on with school or something, maybe the kid just needs support with that. Um, You kind of have to know your kid and to know when they when they need help. and, And, you know, of course, if they do need help, Becca Springs is always available.
0: And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday morning magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. My guest in the studio with me this morning is Tina Blackwell. Tina is with Beckett Springs. Now you mentioned this earlier. you talked about suicide. I want to talk more about that, and you talked about the numbers of suicides increasing since the pandemic. Let's talk about some of the warning signs of suicide
1: um If someone is truly intent on on harming themselves. Oftentimes I've found that they'll kind of seem as though they've made peace with it. So you might find people who are giving things away or who um, or they were initially very distressed and angsty and, and depressed and they were letting people know that maybe they've kind of stopped talking. They've they've kind of they seem to have settled down. They seem to have just kind of gotten comfortable in whatever their situation is. Those are the people that I would be very concerned about. 'Cause they're not saying anything. They they maybe have made peace with whatever's whatever their plan is. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so when you see those warning signs, I mean this is serious. And I know, you know, when the children they go to the you know, I have teenagers. When they go to the doctor's office, you know, the doctor says, Step out the room and that's one of the things that they say, you know, you know, they talk about. So if you are a parent and your doctor has said, Hey, you know, that's the one thing that they have to say to parents, right? Yes. They need help at that point.
1: Yes, I would say so. If you're at home and you see someone who's behaving in that way, um, if they've endorsed suicidal ideation, you know, in, in in their upset, they they may say, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to go do this to myself or what have you. Um, one of the best resources, if your community has it, is mobile crisis. Um, I would contact a mobile crisis team, have them come out and do a risk assessment and um, let them determine whether or not that individual needs to go to the hospital. Provide all of the collateral information that you would need in terms of changes in behavior, changes in mood, um, changes in interests. all of those things. Provide all of that information to give them a clearer picture, a more well-rounded picture of, of what, that, what that person's typical behavior looks like versus what it looks like currently. Let them, let them assess it.
0: Okay, you mentioned mobile crisis. What is that?
1: Uh, the different counties have different mobile crisis services. I, I worked for Butler County Mobile Crisis, and that's through the uh, Butler County Mental Health Board. And what that is is uh, someone would call in into a, I believe it's a warm hotline um, for if they were in distress. And for Butler County, it's through Beckett Springs as well. If they are not able to kind of talk that person through, then they will contact a uh, therapist like myself. I would go out uh, to that person's location with the police, and I would do um, a crisis assessment. And if, they're, if they um, just wanted to go to the hospital, if they felt that they were at risk to, of harm to themselves or to others, then I would provide or facilitate transportation to the hospital, to the nearest hospital for further evaluation. If they were not compliant, but they were clearly at risk to themselves or to others, then I'm able to write a a hold for them and to get them through the door. Of course, my hold can't necessarily keep them there, but um, they would be there. I could force them to go there for further evaluation. Okay, Um, let's talk
0: about this. Um, Let's talk about the impact um, suicide has on families. It can really tear apart families. Um, Let's let's talk about that.
1: Um, you know, there's a there are a lot of families who um, struggle with the with the after effects of suicide. Um, the loved ones who are the closest to the family members struggle with guilt. Um, I shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, type of situation. Uh, other family members, because you know, at the same time, life is continuing on, and for those individuals, it can feel like life has kind of stopped. In the moment, and so it's really hard when you have people who are trying to tell you you know okay it's time to it's time to get moving and it, it's time to you know to to go on and and sometimes people get stuck uh they get stuck in the what ifs and how could I have caught this and um it's just it's just really hard all around and and then of course you have to feel for the person who has committed suicide that they didn't feel like they could um that they had anyone that they could talk with or share with or um, change their mindset. You know, when I'm doing therapy, one of the things that is the most important thing, and, and when I'm when I'm talking with interns, you know, I I tell them, you know, what we're selling is hope. What we're selling is our self, our professionalism, our um, our competence, and so. Giving them, giving individuals a sense of hope really can change a mindset for someone who's maybe contemplating suicide. Um, And so it's important to be able to be invested in recognizing the importance of what we do and and taking full advantage of, of, of the opportunity to teach and to educate and to, again, facilitate hope for people who may not have it.
0: Okay, and so let's talk to that person out there listening this morning that may have unhealthy thoughts. Sure. Um, harmful thoughts. What do you say to them?
1: I would say if you if you think that you're in need of some uh, support, um, if you uh, are contemplating wanting to hurt yourself, um please reach out to us um, at Beckett Springs. You can call us or visit in person. The number is 513-942-9500. And we can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week, again, at two locations. Um, the assessment it, the assessment location is at the primary hospital, which is in Westchester. Um, but if you live close to the Dayton area, we can, we can see you there at um, Centerville, uh, the Centerville location, which is called Changes.
0: Okay, And you talked about selling hope. Yes. What does hope look like?
1: Uh, For me, hope looks like things can be different. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, It doesn't have to just be so negative. I don't have to be uh, hindered by what maybe has happened in the past. Um, I can look forward to a future just depending on how I'm viewing it, which which things am I choosing to focus on. And, and it doesn't have to be even if I because I, I count the very baby steps, the very baby steps of progress. So even if today, you know, you felt out of a 24 hour day, you felt 23 and three quarters of the day, you felt bad. But for 15 minutes, you weren't so bad. OK, that's hope like that. <laughs> that's a good place to start. I'm OK with that. You know, so hope for me is that it doesn't have to it doesn't have to always be. The way that it's been.
0: Um, When we talk about everything that we've talked about, we talked about mental illness, we talk about suicide, we talked about mental health and all of those things come with this huge stigma here in our society. Um, Let's talk about that and how we can get around that, get rid of that.
1: Oh, that is going to take work. That's going to take work. Um, that's going to take work. I was just talking to a friend who was who said to me, you know, it's just about choices and the decisions that people make. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't think it's quite that simple. Um so that's just to me, you know, normalizing it and and getting people to be more empathetic to um and understanding that, you know, maybe not everyone is the same way as the next person and that it's okay to uh, to to get the support that you need. It, it really is about educating. Uh, I think some people have a distorted idea of what therapy is. And so, you know, we just we want to be as therapists. You know, I really try to be um, very relatable as a therapist. I try to be relatable. And so um, I think my patients work with me on that level. So, um, you know, changing the stigma of this very stiff and, and, you know, uh, sterile environment where you go in there and you have to go through every painful event that you've ever gone through. You know, we want to change that and relive it. Right. And we want to change that. So just helping people to be educated on what therapy is and, um, like I said, being invested in selling hope and you're selling yourself and, and, and um, you're getting, trying to get buy-in. You're trying to get people to buy into the idea that things don't have to be the same as they were. So, um, And as they have those good experiences, then they share those experiences with other people and they share those experiences and so on and so on.
0: All right. That's a good place to leave it there. For our listeners, again, if they have any questions about um, the services at Beckett Springs, how can they find out more?
1: Uh, you can feel free again to call 513-942-9500, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or come into the the Westchester location.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Tina. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We've been speaking to Tina Blackwell with Beckett Springs.
1: Hi, you're listening to My Dad's Rodney Lear on Sunday Morning Magazine like my dad's show on facebook at sunday morning magazine with Rodney lear on facebook i don't hear you clicking any workout any mood any time